Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report, of course, is a member of the Believe podcast family. That is B-L-E-A-V. Believe podcast. That is the name of the network that we are on, and that is why name of this podcast in your favorite podcast platform is Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Maybe I'm starting to believe in it, but maybe believe? I don't know. Believe? I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the silly pronunciation of believe. Um, you're hearing this intro in much higher quality than normal because our guest this week, we just got right into conversation uh because she is one of my oldest friends and uh one of the funniest people and uh we really lost ourselves in a lovely lovely chat about what has been going on in quarantine for her and what she envisions in doing comedy uh going forward because she largely has not been doing that um even though she is so so funny her album organism is available everywhere and you should just follow her on all the things because she is one of my favorite people and favorite comedians uh please give it up for lizzie cooperman and the conversation that we're about to have right now do you call a chest of drawers a bureau yes wow okay uh i mean that's kind of like i mean i've been doing this for so long why wouldn't i right yeah. I love it. Okay. No one's calling it the comedy dresser. No one's calling. I'm sure there was a club comedy. probably in the early 90s that got closed immediately called the comedy dresser. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. And then they had a dresser on stage, you know. They, they, right, you right. know how literal comedy clubs have to be? Oh, yeah. You ever play the jukebox in Peoria? Of course, they have a jukebox on stage. If... Yeah, I mean, hopefully I'll start seeing the insides of these places at some point. No, I, that's why, I mean, you know, talk about however you want to talk about it, but I was like, I remember, I think we texted maybe at the, sort of the beginning of lockdown and you, you mm. were like really, con- I mean, concerned is re- severely underscoring it. Right. Yes. You're severely immunocompromised. Yes. And I thought, I, I in my mind, it was going to be just me at home and everyone else just running around. Cause I, this was before, you know, they issued serious lockdown and, you know, and that when, before I had really a sense of it as it unfolded, I thought, oh, well, I have to stay home and be this kind of like, I don't know. I almost felt like an invalid or something. Right. Just like, should I just, you know, lay under a quilt and have soup dribbling down my face? And this is this is the epilogue I mean, to your Hollywood Oracle character. I mean, I was scared, and right. and I was the entire time. I did not step foot in a grocery store right. until yesterday. Wow, and. I actually left LA when it was starting to get pretty bad. My lease was up and I was really miserable. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I can't think of anywhere right. 
in LA where I'd want to move, where I think about it and it makes me happy. You know, I kept going online thinking, so I moved to Burbank. Like that's my, (laughs) (laughs) that's my big move, you know? So because Emily lives in Burbank. Well, I was thinking about like where I could go that would give me any sense of joy or because you have to, I don't know, you live alone as well. No, I have a roommate. Oh. You know, couples who love each other dearly have been tested in this time. Right. That's true. So imagine if you're dealing with somebody who's like just, and they're out just out over there. Imagine if they're just slightly annoying, just slightly. Right. And it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Right. Did you know this person before? No. Okay. No, I moved out of my parents' house two years ago. I remember. Yeah. And uh, she, you know, I live in Larchmont. It's two bed, two bath. I mean, it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and it wasn't too, too expensive. I only pay $9.50. That is the perfect place for the Comedy Bureau to rest is in Larchmont. Yeah. It has kind of a, you know, that a Larchmont has, you know, that feeling of stature. It kind of goes along. I can see you walking down Larchmont Boulevard with your scepter. Yes. Yes. People, people, I use my scepter to clear the path at the farmer's yeah. market. I look out of my way. I have to get to the artisanal honey now. <laughs> I do buy artisanal honey uh, there. It's very good. Oh my God. Isn't there a toy store in Larchmont that's like really like generic old? toys, but they're pr- marked up like 300 oh, yeah. or something? Yeah. It's like as you walk sort of, um, sort of south on right. Marchmont to like near the Bank of America. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I forget Much what it's respect, called. I support small businesses. <laughs> yeah. Hold, hold the name of the toy store. Sure. Sure. Is but, <laughs> Go on. But I like that you're there. I, I can see how that would be trying. I've been kind of pretty relieved to be alone during this time. I would have loved to be alone, but tell me. Oh, so um, I was talking to my friend, Chris Crofton, and I said, what's, you know, within driving distance? And he listed all these places. And when he said New Mexico, I thought, yes, I'm, I'm going. Wow. So I put all my stuff into a storage unit in October. Uh-huh. And I drove 12 hours straight. To, can I guess? Sure. Santa Fe? Yes. <laughs> I was going to go Taos, but then no, it's like Santa Fe. I think it's Santa Fe. Well, I did visit Taos for a minute. I did drive to Taos, which is wild. Have you been to New Mexico? Or? I, there were the younger half of my life. Uh, I drove so many times around uh, across the United States with my folks just moving. And oh. we drove through New Mexico quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Do you have an, any kind of attachment to it or? Not particularly. Mm. Uh, my, my memories of New Mexico were, <sighs> okay, mom, what is different about this rest stop that sells turquoise jewelry versus the last three we went to? Is there a difference? 
She's like, shh, shh, shh. I'm gonna, I'm trying to make a deal. I'm trying to make a deal. <laughs> well, I will say I stayed in an Airbnb. The first place I stayed was above a reflective jewelry shop. Wow. <laughs> it was kind of Nancy Myers-esque. Sure. Um, because I was also, you know, taking a creative writing class and a Kabbalah class at the time. Right. Is, and is the Santa Fe... Is the Santa Fe market really flooded with Kabbalah classes? I gotta know. No, but okay. last year before lockdown, I had gone to the Kabbalah Center mm -hmm. in Beverly Hills just to see what it was like. And I loved it. My awesome. mom took a couple of Kabbalah classes and I remember her telling me about them and being really intrigued by it um, right. years ago. Right. Um, and so... I just looked to see if they had any online classes and I ended up, I'm in level four now. Look, I'm wearing a red string bracelet. Awesome. I had Kabbalah class tonight, actually. Oh, wow. What, what did you learn about ancient Jewish mysticism, Lizzie? Well, I can tell you some beginner lessons. I, I understand there's a, a huge significance with the tree. That's what I know. The tree of life, right. Yes. The 10 points in the tree of life, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what I'm going to tell you is not about that because that's kind of complicated, if you don't mind. Oh, but no. what I'm going to say is what in level one Kabbalah is all about not being reactive. Mm. And that kind of the key to everything is even if you're given the worst news of your life, mm -hmm. you pause and say, what a pleasure. And... <laughs> Just even that for the basis changed a lot for me in a really positive way. I feel like if you could make it through that, through that step like that, that would be, there, there's no way that that wouldn't be monumental shift. Mm -hmm. I had something happen today that where I kind of spun a little bit and mm -hmm. I did that and it just completely grounded me, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot of it is about not being reactive. Right now, we are actually in a period called, it's called the Omer. Okay. And it starts on the 15th of Aries. This is what's kind of interesting about Kabbalah is it blends in astrology. Okay. Into all this. Jake, mm -hmm. I just realized I can find out what your name of God is. I have an app on my phone. <laughs> oh, I would so love this. Oh, please let me know. Okay. What do I, what do I have, have to tell you? Saying your birthday, you're going to have to say your birthday. Don't tell industry. <laughs> I am industry. Did you forget? <laughs> That's true. Okay. What is your birthday? Uh, do I need to mention the year? You do, unless you want to write it down and hold it up on a card or something. Um, Love a Libra. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm looking it up. Jake. Yeah. Yours is diamond in the rough. Really? Uh, yes. And I'm going to read you what it, it, it means. Here I accomplished nothing less than the complete transformation of negative situations into positive opportunities and blessings. Mana, or is that mana? M-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. I feel like it's mana. I think it's mana as well. Mana rains down upon me. I know that does not mean bananas. Yeah. Mana, what does it mean? 
isn't is Meta that is it that sort of like golden bread that, or yes yeah that uh god gave to like um i what i forget which biblical character but right something. right okay yes <laughs> like i know it's not <laughs> it's not oh bananas rain down on me uh-huh life begins to taste like anything my soul desires or imagines so your birthday is literally about transform the transformation of negative into blessings wow how about that you know that's interesting because i mean you know kind of my story a little bit right yes about your birth and everything yeah were you you were born in a temple or you were found temple i was found in the cathedral i was born in in literal distress my birth mother was on the run from terrorists and that is the reason she left me in a cathedral she never went to where was it in manila i was nine days old how do you know this did they later so this is all in an adoption report that i didn't read until 2015 when my dad was like my parents have always been nice in normalizing me being adopted and like you're adopted, but you know, it's fine. And if you want to ever go find your birth mother and you, here's your adoption report, anything you want to want to know, want to do, we're supportive of. And so in that support, I kind of just left it at that. And you're never really questioned that. But then my dad in 2015 was like, you know, that guy, Ted Cruz, I think he should be president. And I was like, okay, I, I am not related to this person. I need to find out who I'm related to, what the story is. And so, really? okay. yeah, I mean, it's only a quarter of a joke. I was like, oh my God. My dad had like a Ted Cruz pin. He showed me this clip of Ted Cruz talking to somebody from BLM. And I'm like, ugh, this is not good. So I knew where this adoption report was. And I just went and found it and read it. And of course, like, there are reasons why they didn't tell me the whole story when I was eight. They just said like, oh, your mom partied a lot and she lived a life where she couldn't handle that, or like handle having you. So that's why I'm like, oh, okay. But the real story was much, much more, I mean, like, epic. And I, I mean, I've come to a, a lot of different points of peace with it in that like she did literally the best that she could and she mm -hmm. tried to save me in so many ways and she bet that like her acts would lead to the life that I'm leading now. And um, are you on Clubhouse, Lizzie? That is so funny. I just changed my bio on Clubhouse to I'm not sold on this. <laughs> very good all it is is patty stanger yelling at people any channel i go to she's like this is why you're single i feel like it's just a platform for patty stanger to can share. you just do your hollywood oracle character on clubhouse just I, them maybe, running a modding a room i would love to i mean i think that's a great idea i just i haven't figured out that's part of all of this too is like i haven't figured out how to not do live comedy Right. I don't know what I'm doing. So I, it's. Neither does anybody else. 
really i tried to have a podcast in the beginning and it was so much i remember work then my computer crashed and i was like i don't know if i can sustain this and i felt really bad because it's fine people were listening and i i feel like i let them down so now i'm gonna pitch another one (laughs) yeah look yeah that's that's lovely i mean so many people have taken a break from this time so many people left la like yourself right and it i had to explain this to somebody today how they were like you know things are reopening way too fast and people are like you know really in this dedicated pretending of like it's fine right it's fine it's fine so let's do shows and um and that starts kind of bearing down on other comics where it's like well if people are doing stuff like uh, if i'm not out there then like i gotta i gotta be out there right and i'm like you don't you don't. comedy will be here when you when we get back it's not going anywhere it's fine it's not but what well what is happening because my feeling is right now this we're safe it's going to be fine i think it's a bit of an illusion sure i think that what, like what do you mean like we'll be safe we'll be fine i think that um and i said i'll do a show at the end of april i have right. one coming up mm-hmm. we'll see what state the world is in then you know they right. might say oh this new strain is Mm-hmm. tearing the world apart and we have to shut everything down again because right. we're just living in a different reality oh yeah uh i have not adjusted to any of it on any step of the way right. <laughs> i feel completely disoriented right. um i don't like having to be funny online it doesn't have like the same energy to me as my performance I don't you know I don't feel like it translates Mm -hmm. really um to crawl around in my apartment and post that like I don't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) I'm an adult also and I I take live performance I have so much respect for it that I also don't want to just right do it for my ego or to make sure I'm still my face is still there it's like I want to you know, revere it and give it what it deserves. And, um, but I also want to work. So I I I just feel so completely torn over it. I understand people wanting to rush back out into clubs. I completely get it. I hope they're bringing their own microphones and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm worried about the new double spearmint strain yeah oh my god let's call it that (laughs) instead of like whatever it's like b173 double spearmint people will pay attention to something that's catchy double spearmint (laughs) i really i'm I'm worried about and you know people are saying you're fine you're protected you know i i'm dying to go to ikea for example there are two things i really want at ikea Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have to pull up and have some, you know, hero put it in my trunk for me or something because mm-hmm. we don't have enough information. And, and this is how I've been feeling this whole time is every step of the way we think we have an answer and then new information comes out that debunks what we heard just minutes ago. Right. I'm right there with you. And there was even an article 
where it, there, there was an article about the vaccines um, and they were kind of speculating, well, why do some people have this horrible reaction to the second shot? Mm-hmm. And the sentence in the article, it may have been the Guardian, but it was like, while there is no actual research backing this theory, comma, like there was a sentence uh-huh. just made me want to scream, then why are you even writing this? Yeah, it said that maybe people who have a, a dramatic reaction to the second shot would have had worse a worse case of COVID, mm-hmm. which is crazy because women and young people were having reactions, whereas men and old people were dying of COVID mostly. And and it was just exactly the opposite of all the information out there, and it just kind of made me realize we have no clue. No. And even people who say they're experts, they're not. no one can see into the future. No, no one can be a virus and think inside the mind of no. a virus. No. And I try to read as much as I can and be up to date as possible and as informed, but I still go forth knowing that I don't know all of it. And the only thing I can sort of maybe rest my laurels on sort of um, the, like conceptually with this is like, it'll be over when it's over. And it won't be over when it's not. So don't pretend like, oh, you know, we got a certain percentage of the population that has their first shot and we're in this tier and the government said this and, you know, and so I'm doing this, this and this. And, you know, my neighbor went out and got like, it did indoor time. So that's like all fine, right? No, it's not. Nothing's a hundred percent safe. And I know that's like, it's like kind of fear mongering to people. And I empathize with that, but it's just, I have to, I argue with my parents all the time about this. They're like, Jake, you can't rent, let COVID run your life. And I'm like, I'm not trying to let it run. It does. It runs yeah, all of our lives. Yeah, you have a life if COVID run does. If you do get COVID, you might not have a life. Yeah. Or you might get sick. Yeah. That And end up sick for the rest of it, your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. So you don't think it's over. No, I don't think it's over at all. I mean, like, there's not even 25% of LA County that's like fully vaccinated. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, it, I didn't read today's numbers, but like, it's not like, we're not near herd immunity or whatever. Do you go to the grocery store and stuff? Sparingly. Right. I get, I get takeout, but like, I don't like, I don't stay anywhere very long and I wear, I double mask. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. And um, I mean, to be honest, at the beginning of it, I was like, I, I'll admit, I was in a bit denial. I didn't, I wasn't denying that anything was happening, but I just kind of like knew in the back of my mind, like if everything that is supposedly going to happen that actually did happen, my life's going to go away. Like everything that defined my life is going to go away for a while. And I just take away your scepter. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, the scepter is the first to go. I I only recently started carrying it around again because I just like I very rarely left my house, and it was just like, what's the fucking point? Like carrying around a vanity cane, a scepter in my apartment. It's eight hundred square feet, Lizzie, and I only like live in like four hundred of it. But you're king. (laughs) In here, in here. Oh my God, your place is cute. Thank you. I have put a lot of work into it. 
That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, geez, talk about transformation. 2020, I'm sure this is the case with oh, so many people, but with a bullet is the worst year of my life. Right. 2020. I, yeah. I got my heart broken for the first time. Oh, okay. Um, for the first time during this, which is like, it's double, triple, quadruple whammy. I mean, like, it's the first one. All my forms of self-care are a health hazard. Like what? Like comedy, gathering oh. with friends, dancing. Oh, I see. Going to move, like all of it. And then, you know, we're supposed to stay indoors and it's like, well, I don't care how much TV I watch. It, it, none of it's as good enough to like make me not think about what happened. When did this happen? What month was it? June. Okay. And it, this was the first relationship I ever had. Right. And it was, she is the, one of the best things to ever happen to me. And she did one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. Okay. Pause. What a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is why I was like, oh, when you mentioned that, I was like, man, I mean, through 2020, there was all of that. I got appendicitis and I almost died. Really? Yeah. When did this happen? October. I wish I'd known. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So you went to a hospital in the midst of the pandemic. I drove myself to the ER because I do not trust my roommate to be reliable. And I (laughs) went to the, and it was very surreal because I got admitted immediately. And that Congratulations. Was Thanks. No one was there because of COVID. VIP. VIP. Yeah. Um, but so all of that happened. And I mean, if I'm being really honest, you know, like I, it was hard for me to say like what a pleasure or like sort of parallel to that. Like people say for self-care, like, oh, practice gratitude, practice gratitude. I think that's good and important. But if I'm being truthful, um, so much of 2020 was like, yeah, I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from or where I'm going to sleep, but I am not grateful right now for this. I feel so miserable and just despondent. That's when I you become a care. poet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was always there. I've, I Poetry is what I did before comedy. That's right. I am deep into the world of poetry right now. I, I, I mean, I remember you were teaching what you UCLA extension classes. I, I was taking classes there. Oh, you're taking classes, right? Yeah, and I just finished one, and now tomorrow I'm starting a workshop at this place called Hugo House. Right. Based out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. This is my way of dealing: is just constantly taking classes and that's that's trying to generate something like trying to create something you know well you want so I mean that is a way an outlet for you to create but also you still are dedicated to enriching yourself and I mean aside from that I've always like I've always known that we both had an affinity for poetry and I always wanted to kind of like trade poems with you I would love that yeah and poems by do you know Corey Johnson the comedian oh yeah 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 i know Corey. she's really funny she sends me 
pictures of poems that she likes. Not ones oh. that she's written always, but just, we right. just send each other good poetry. Right. What, who's she into? I'll like, start sending you uh, stuff. Uh, There's uh, someone she really likes. Someone um, named something Christy. I'm trying to remember. Mm -hmm. um, Is she into like contemporary stuff? Is that? Yeah. Okay. I just studied with someone named Miguel Murphy, who is an incredible poet. Right. Um, and so I've been really, now that the class is over, I'm like, okay, now let me get into him as a fan, you know? Right, right cool. That was really amazing because he wouldn't leave written critiques, he would make videos. And so you would see a video in your inbox and it's like, my teacher made me a video. <laughs> you know, and he'd be like, he'd read your poem and then go, Okay, well, like if there was a line you didn't like, he'd say, okay, I don't believe that for a second. And he would just keep reading unapologetically, right. you know, and he would do the same with compliments, you know, mm -hmm. that's stunning. Then no, 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 what it should be, like, it was like you were seeing inside his mind while he was critiquing the poem. And that in and of itself was just fascinating. Right. Um, and so I wrote, five poems during that class oh very cool that that i like and i'm trying to put together a collection my goal Ooh. is for it to be by december of next year to have poems that i actually like i wanted to submit for this book contest this year and i was going through thinking some of these are not finished and haven't been given the attention that i want to give them right and now i'm going through and i'm like okay it's like it feels mm -hmm. like I'm cooking. It's like right. everything's culminating. All these pots are simmering. Right. I just want to keep taking workshops and, you know, just elevating everything. And I, I'm sure by the by December of next mm -hmm. year, I'm going to have poems that I did love that I no longer care about or, right. you know, all have outgrown certain things. But it is wild. And, and it's also an opportunity to read other people's poetry and read poetry I would never be exposed to. Right. And I have to say a lot of it, I don't like, you know, there's, I, there's a lot that's so bad. Well, there's, there's a lot that's so bad. Okay. There's a lot that's so bad. There's a lot that our society thinks is poetry. That is not poetry. And that is a big problem. Yeah. Um, uh, you're talking about who like Rupi Kaur on uh, Instagram or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bless her heart. She mm -hmm. tapped into something. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that I think is not poetry. If yeah. it is, does not have, you know, metaphor, simile, anaphora, like if there's not even a touch of any of these things and it's just, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I mean, these people Just who- oh, or schmaltzy or whatever, you know? Right, they walk around with this idea. Actually, there are a lot of clubhouse rooms that are like this, where it's just like, everybody's in support of each other and everybody's just holding space and having nothing but love and light for each other. And it's like, you know, after the 50th time you say that, it doesn't mean jack shit. Right. It's so true. I think that it's almost like we need, God, part of me, yeah. People are afraid 
to go into the darkest parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's what I guess I, there's a lot of bad, depressing poetry too. So that might not be the case, but to actually spend time with it, you know. Right. Well, I think it's important. One of my biggest breakthrough, well, I would say first and biggest breakthroughs in therapy was like the idea and the concept and practice of feeling my feelings instead of like suppressing them out of like fear. Right. Like I'm angry. So I'm just going to let myself feel angry rather than like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not. And so that was like, when I moved out two years ago, I was listening to like pretty much exclusively just thrash metal, just as a, as an outlet to sort of accentuate my anger and it really helped. Like I didn't lash out at anybody, but right. that is, I know it's sort of counterintuitive, but it's like, because I let myself feel it, it, right. it didn't boil over. Right. Right. No, I know. Have you ever done the artist way? I've done like, it's, it, I mean, this is like me being me, but I've like, I've known about it for years and I've just done versions of it. Um, I always want to do it my way. Okay. I mean, that's understandable. Yeah, but I've done morning pages and actually, well, my version of that recently has been, so this girl who I still love and miss and actually after 10 months of silence, she called me. I, I love how dramatically you said that. And after the 10th month of silence, the phone rang. It, you know, there is so much poetry in that phone call. It was five and a half hours, Lizzie. Longest phone call of my entire life. Oh my God. Speaker phone? How'd you no. handle that? Selfie stick? <laughs> no, not selfie stick. No, I had my headphones on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Mo, I would have to switch hands if it was actually like I was doing it that way. Right, right. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was closure and, and we still in our, I mean, you know, mm. she sent me like, well, the last thing she sent in June. Um, this like, and, and I was just saying like, hey, I sent this text message was essentially like, oh, I did this stuff this weekend and I thought of you. And then she sent like an essay back, almost like literally um, of like, you need to do better and you don't care about social justice and you think you care about, and it was like on and on, it was so hurtful. And, you know, um, I could not go, what a pleasure. But I didn't get angry. Did I you just, just realize this is kind of a sick person? Yeah, I had known that. If that was the case, I didn't mean to put that on her. I just well, the thing was I I the thing we I was on Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer, and she did. I listened to that. Right? I listened to your episode. It was so good. Thank you. This girl also thought that, and she DM'd me and she that's how we found each other wow okay and it was it well, really I would like was, to throw out now yeah makes millions of listeners that i'm vaxxed yeah vaxxed. okay vaxxed waxed there's got a third thing and ready for spring that's what my friend Kelly <laughs> Um, but 
I love that you, that the podcast led, led mm -hmm. to, it opened a door into a new experience. Oh yeah. It was like, well, that's the thing in, I, there, I wasn't even expecting her to call and give me closure. I was like on a path to like, just finding peace and really trying to center my thoughts and feelings about it with how we, how much we really loved each other. Cause I think I found so much of the best parts of myself through that rather than holding on to the cynicism of how she left. Right. Do you, do you think it's, yeah. I'm just thinking about how right now it's spring and like, mm -hmm. it just feels like a time for renewal, which is a lot of that is like tied into the holiday of Passover and stuff. Sure. And possibly Easter. I don't actually know that much about it. Right. Um, do you celebrate Easter? I mean, since I've, I mean, like, I haven't really been celebrating anything in quarantine. It's been a, I, I'm feeling, I, I actually, so last Wednesday is when she's calling. I've actually, for the first time in a long time, just, I'm like, okay, I feel all right. I feel all right. Because I was not feeling good for a very long time. Oh, she called again? No, she she just called, like, oh, it was oh, just okay. like, yeah. Did you feel closure from that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is like really powerful. So what I was saying before about this time that's called mm -hmm. the Omer, it's now, it started on the 15th and it lasts 49 days, which I think takes us into the middle of May. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be a time of deep transformation. Sure. And that any action you take during this time to improve yourself or kind of elevate your consciousness is gonna resonate like tenfold. Sure. And that, I mean, I have been, trying you say that like you're an omer expert you're like sure yeah I <laughs> no i didn't mean to be dismissive <laughs> and i know you're kidding but i was just gonna say that I, so much of my time has like i think you know me well enough to know that i can't just like lay in bed and just stare at the ceiling to pass right hours. i have to do i have to like just keep doing and coupled with that though is I did, I kept such an intense sort of like routine throughout this whole time. But a lot of that time was like, you know, I mean, I know these are things that are supposedly supposed to distract me or make me feel better or whatever. They don't, but I knew that if I didn't do them, I'd feel worse. Right. And so, but, and, and eventually I had, I guess, a, a, a maybe subconsciously enough faith in myself that like, eventually this will feel good. I mean, so like, I would, um, I, a friend of mine got me into Buddhist chanting. I, I'm not Buddhist, I don't, I'm not, but like I do chant every day. Yes, I have a Gohansen behind me. Wow, I didn't even go that far. She was like, you don't have to have a Gohansen. You don't have to do, right. buy anything. Just do it wherever you want, whenever you want, and for however long you want. Yes. Like, that's great, That I can do that. Uh, that's been very helpful. I, the, first sip of coffee I have, like actually the first half of a cup of coffee, I leave my phone inside. I go out of my apartment and just look out into the sky. And I have a nice courtyard to look at. And I just like sit in, usually there's a hummingbird and I just kind of sit in that. 
And I have a lot of little things that I do every day like that, in addition to working out and cooking and doing origami and running the bureau and all of that. Um, I feel invigorated and motivated now, but yeah, for a long time, it was just like me going- Had to shoehorn origami into the list. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you do origami. <laughs> I, do. I do. Whether I'm drinking my coffee or extreme surfing. <laughs> Wait, do they have a wave machine in Santa Fe, Lizzie? My God. Oh, I miss it. Where? So wait, where are you now? I feel like I should do the official I'm intro. <laughs> oh, I'm you're back. back. You're back. That's great. Yeah. I drove back 12 mm -hmm. hours. As soon as I left Santa Fe, my tire warning light came on. Oh, no. So I pulled over to some weird commercial rest stop. Um, I was just talking about this on Brendan's podcast, but like the men acted like they had not seen a woman in 20 years. They were like, how can we help you? <laughs> and I said, my tire light is up, but they said they thought it was probably just like the sensor because I got a flat tire when I was in New Mexico. So I had to have it replaced. And I think when they put the new one on, it like knocked the sensor. But I drove 12 hours with a warning light in my car and it was pretty stressful. Right. And I was scared to go to the bathroom. So I used this thing called a travel drain, which is this long, hot pink like sock that you urinate into. It's not the funnel. Mm -hmm. It like you pee into it and there's like gel at the bottom and it that like absorbs it and makes uh -huh. it hard or whatever. Right. And so I would just like pull over at a rest stop, put a towel on my passenger seat. <laughs> Is this too graphic? No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I just have like a little trauma from it. I, <laughs> I only have to go twice right. on my entire drive, which I'm so grateful for, but right. It was nerve wracking. Like if somebody sees me, am I going to go to jail? Like I am <laughs> yeah. myself. Right. I am fully squatting like a crazy person. <laughs> <sighs> You're not alone in that though. There's so many right. people who right. like, yeah, like uh, they traveled across country and they would just like, they brought a tent and they would just pitch a tent wherever. Right. They didn't want to like stay in a hotel or something. I just needed to get out of LA. I felt like I was going crazy here. I don't know. And also, did you know I had a peacock on my balcony for months that would not leave? I, I remember you talking about this. A giant, I'd say bigger than a toddler. Wow. Fat, haggard peacock. <laughs> yeah. And I would just wake up and at a certain point, I would hear thud and I go oh my god she's uh -huh. back uh -huh. and I couldn't get out my front door because she was there like there and they're aggressive they will they will right. want to come inside right and so well, you talked about this on Brendan's podcast this is where I remember this from right? oh yeah because we called then he called 911 <laughs> it was the it was the best prank anyone ever pulled on me because he called 911 he's like we'd like you know my friend Lizzie's having this problem and then he goes Lizzie also threatened to S-H-O-O-T the president. And I go, Brendan, that's, that is not true. And he goes, yeah, she did. And 
I go, I'm hanging up right now. And then they go, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. It's not 911. It was Sean O'Connor. <laughs> they were really pranking me. And it was the last thing I expected on Brendan's show, which I love. I love his show. It's so yeah. fun. I think, I think, you know. World it, podcast, if anyone wants mm-hmm. to listen. He is upholding the the classic art of pranking. He really is. And yeah. he's so committed to it. Yeah, that's one of the, I think one of the last, I was, I always keep ruminating on like the sort of the last things I saw before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I remember Brendan would do live prank calls as a show from Friend Bar. Right, I know, yeah, yeah. Was it Children's Hospital prank? Have you seen no. that one? Wait, which one? Oh yes, 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 I did. And the whole, I, some people walked because they were so uncomfortable. I can't even believe it. Right. Yeah. Go see Brendan Walsh. We don't need to ruin it for you. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when 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 things are saving, yeah. go watch Brendan Walsh slash go listen to a world record podcast. Yes. Yeah. Was yeah, I did his show at the friend that was really fun. We pretended I was a jewelry influencer. <laughs> Before all this stuff started, I had some jewelry company that was like, will you, if we mail you rings, will you wear them on stage? Uh-huh. Who's going to care if I'm wearing rings? You know, like. I know. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe somebody. No one. But the, no, the point being, you would have to do a whole bit about it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a joke about being a jewelry influencer. I don't even remember a lot of my jokes, I just, it's not like I'm at home running my act. Right. Oh, like, and you know, it's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to answer your question. You're asking like, what is going on right now? Well, the thing is, you know, if you want to go to an open mic or a show indoors right now, you can. It's underground, it's illegal, and you shouldn't do it, but you could do it if you wanted to. Um, really? But yeah, I, there was a, there was a framing a frame of time in the fall where it's felt safer to go to shows. And I did go to shows then, but I would always, I, you know how I always stand in the back. So I stood even further in the back. You're saying September, October, when the map of the United States just had a huge red circle on top of LA, that was your safe time to go to shows. No, like, like, well, actually I couldn't go in like the latter part of October because I, was recovering from emergency surgery. I can't believe that happened. Can Me you either. feel it? No, I'm fully recovered. Thank God. Um, but I mean, that's one of the weird things. About, they didn't do a very good job. I'm like, <laughs> can you still feel it? You know what they don't tell you about an appendectomy, Lizzie, is they inflate your stomach with gas. So they have better access to your appendix uh, and it's easier to remove. Um, and they inflate your stomach so much with gas, your belly's actually distended. And if you're a dude, you look pregnant. And the thing is, it's not like you get to fart it out. You just stay like that for like two weeks and it's so painful. Oh my God. It really sucked. It really, really sucked. How does it get out then? It just slowly so, like- It slowly sleeping. dissipates, yeah. 
And it's, it's one of those strange things where it's like, you know, I caught it and I recovered fully. But if you don't, right. very, very quickly, you will die. And I look, I kept looking at it because pain presented on like a Wednesday and I didn't go till like Saturday morning. And generally over uh, like the average amount of time between like you getting appendicitis and your appendix bursting, like I was right at the cusp, but mm. I was in such pain that I could barely walk. But somehow I was able to make sure my pants and jacket matched after I got dressed. Uh, and I got my voting guide and laptop, laptop charger, and my headphones because I didn't know how long. You it have them put like gold stitches in. <laughs> if if I was conscious, I would have asked them. Give me your finest sutures. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm glad you're okay. It is a weird mm-hmm. time for to have things happen. Mm-hmm. Not bad. I mean, what is it called? Oh, Oh, Omer, oh, O'Hare? Omer, Omer. Omer, I mean. O-M-E-R. O-M-E-R, got it. For anyone Omer. who wants to look into it. I I had been feeling like I had been going growth through, through growth in this time. And I definitely had felt like, I got so much closure on that call that I felt that growth. Like I felt like, oh, I've obviously, like I've, this is all of what I went through and this is the culmination of that. Isn't it interesting how much we project onto other people too? Like you probably projected so much importance onto her because she was your first relationship. Yeah, I did. And I, I, there were points at which I felt that and I didn't really, I was aware of it and I didn't want to, but it was kind of unavoidable. But I mean, I, I've kind of told details about this on this podcast over, I mean, I, I'll more than half, I'm more than happy to tell you the whole thing at another time because it's it's it really is again like she will always mean a lot to me she I will always love her I'll always miss her um no you won't I mean I'm just saying you might think about her and have certain poetic memories but you're not gonna be in anguish missing her forever no 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 I don't I didn't mean it like no you're not I'm Patty's Tinker on Clubhouse. Get over it. All right, I'm going to move you to the audience. <laughs> How on Clubhouse do you even get to speak? Like, I don't even know. Do you raise your hand or something? All right. So if you're going into a room, um, you'll be in the audience. You There is a button to raise your hand, and that lets the speakers, the mods specifically, know that you want to speak and then they can choose to whether let you on stage or not. And then that's when you have that mute, a mute button that you get to toggle on and off. And that's when you speak. Or you could just start your own room and then you get to speak. Maybe I should start a room. Start a room. I do. I, well, I would say you could just start a room and people will come in that you follow or whatever, probably, or like, can you invite, send an invite or is you, it? You, you can send in, you can ping people in. Also, you can do a closed room. Like, all right, so let's say in in theory, because Georgia's on Clubhouse too. You could have a closed room where it's just you and Georgia on Clubhouse. Okay. That's the thing you could do. <laughs> you, okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, 
even separate from that, you could just like, you don't even have to have a name for your room. You can just start one and like, you know. Georgia Brooks. Georgia Brooks is on there. Yeah, she is. Uh, and you, you know, you can talk about whatever you want. You don't have to have like. Georgia uh, Brooks was one of the last people I saw also. Yeah, what was the one of the last things you did? It was like at a bar. Well, oh, do you know what it was? Um, let me see. Because I imagine you started keeping yourself at home well before official lockdown, right? Georgia Brooks, I think it was her birthday or something. And I went to this bar to say hi. And I was so scared. I just sat in my car. Like, I don't even know what to do. I had a birthday card in my car that's still sitting there that I never, like I got too scared or I was so scared I forgot to like sign it or whatever. Wow. And I ran upstairs, said hi, and then ran back to my car. And I also had a show at um, Covell at that mm-hmm. wine bar. Oh, right. And I remember Casey Jane Ellison was on it and right. Steve Hernandez and Heather mm-hmm. Jewett. Right. And- Oh, it was Heather Jewett and- um, Sophia. Uh, Sophia, yeah, their show. Yeah. yeah. And um, I brought a Clorox wipe for the microphone. Right. And I think that at that time was perceived as like, what? Because I think it was like March 9th or something. Right. And afterward, we stayed and had a glass of wine. And I remember saying, I don't think we should be doing this. Like, yeah. is this okay? And it was the last. Yeah time and that was the last show I did wow yeah how does how did that go it was so fun I mean I, I it was here, here's the problem like not the problem but for me personally I had so much new material that was just like flowing out of me at the time right and I was so excited to keep in my repertoire and build on it and now it's just completely irrelevant. I mean, I had right. so much, so much Joe Biden material. <laughs> yeah. I yes, and I had this great joke about how he chose a vice president. And I not to pat myself on the back, but mm-hmm. I did like the joke. I still stand by it and think it's funny. Right. And even uh, I don't know. And then it just feels like what a waste. But it was not picture. a waste, but it's like once we get out of this, we're all going to be talking about COVID, like everything is going to be, and I guess we do need to talk about it, you know? We do, and I mean, there's, I think, a sort of deeper human truth that, you know, I think when anybody kind of goes over those, like, well-worn topics that, like, it's still, there's still something to be found, especially if you're coming right. from a very personal experience. And then right. there's like, I I mean, in just hearing most people's COVID jokes, it's like, oh, you know, I I had, <clears throat> I had grown up in uh, like, in like poverty in the streets. And I, I've been like, you know, I ate food off of worse things than like what this pandemic is. So I'm not worried. And like, oh God, great. Wait, who's doing that joke? No, it's, that's like, oh. that is a sort of summation of like a premise and, and oh, I see. Yeah, that I've heard quite a bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's just like like people just saying like, oh, okay, like essentially the joke being like COVID, it wasn't that bad, or I'm not that scared of COVID. 
Um, and I think that, that's just a search, surface level versus actually my favorite COVID joke from uh, all of this time is Lori Kilmartin's, but because it comes from such a real place. Um, her mom passed away from COVID. Did you know that? Right. Yes, I did hear about that. It's it's so uh, horrific. Yeah, and hearing how it happens, like, why would you not follow protocol after that? But right. she's like, yeah, my mom passed away. And I don't, I don't know that. Huh? Hearing how it happened, did you say? Yeah, we're so she was stuck in a nursing home, and got it from there. Okay. And then when she was, uh, you know, in a COVID unit, Lori couldn't. Use, she had to watch her mom pass away on an iPad. So sad. So Lori wrote this joke. I still think it's so funny. She's like, my mom passed away from COVID, but you know, she was a Trump supporter, so they counted as a suicide. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. I, I heard that joke on Zoom. I used to be I obsessed saw... with when I lived in New York, she had a blog and I used to read her blog when I was like in my 20s. And it had like places to go swimming. She was really into swimming at the time. Was, and yeah. she had a blog that was like, this is where you should swim. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> so cool that this woman, like, I just didn't, she was just more than one thing. And I thought it was cool. Absolutely. And I still think she is. I think that's part of what's yeah. so great. As yeah. She's very much a mom and still loves swimming and is this like head monologue writer and like, and yet she's so funny. All well, that. you said she's a head monologue writer and yet she's so funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but right, right. Sure. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> um, well, some of these shows, oh my God. What should I do, Jay? Like, give me some advice. And what specific? What, what would you want to? I hate online when people are like, "What do you want to see more of from me?" Because it's like, could we pander any more and forget mm -hmm. what art is on any other level? But I do want to know, like, how to shift. How do I shape shift? Sure. You know, I just don't right. really know. What to do. Well, you, I, for me personally, I mean, I just. <sighs> for me, I want to know. For me. For you, okay. Like, what's your vision? Your vi uh, my vision of you is, I think, like, in this time is, like, delving more into your, like, character stuff and seeing where that would right. lead. Okay. I like that. And re okay. really, really fleshing it out. I mean, you know, I actually get a tiny pittance of money to consult for Rush Ticks. Um, which is one of the virtual comedy clubs that has popped up in this time. Oh. Maria Bamford does her shows on there. Maria, you would actually maybe love this. Maria, for her latest live stream, she's going to do an hour of stand-up virtually, and then she's going to read a book, like which may or may not be a bedtime story. We don't know. And then um, she's just going to like fall asleep, and the camera's going to be on, and then it's going to be on for like nine hours or whenever she wakes up. And she'll like talk to whoever's like waking up with her when she wakes up. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, Maria's really gotten inventive with 
Like, mm -hmm. well, also, I think she, without even knowing it, was sort of prepped for this because she was doing, she was running her hour with just individual people at diners. She would like tweet out like, oh, right. I want to like run my hour at this diner. Like, we'll, we'll buy you lunch, which is like, oh my God, how beautiful. Like, you realize that your fans would pay for that, right? And you want to like let them watch it for free and buy them lunch? Yeah. But she she had already been used to this like setting of just sitting and then like talking to just like a person. And you know, I guess like you don't hear a whole room laugh. Right. Right. So um that really worked out for her. But I think one of the other live streams she did was like group therapy. I'd be interested to see you do something with poetry and comedy and mixing that somehow. Mm. Um, not necessarily like De Derek Brown. You know Derek? What if I know who that is? Derek, he moved out here a while ago, or he used to live here, but he would he would be a guy. He was like this funny poet that would tour with Eugene Merman. Oh, okay. And he he does write good poetry, but he is also funny, and he like kind of like straddles the line a lot with that. But right. like whenever he would go on stage, he would just like tell funny stories and then do poems and that was it cool yeah but i i think there's something i don't write funny poetry my poetry I, didn't I didn't think you would but i it would be interesting to see like you your sort of comedic persona however you want to mind that try to like analyze or dissect poetry or engage with it somehow you're not helping me jake but i love okay you. just kidding okay. <laughs> i'm just spitballing here no i love it i love it Okay. Do you have I'm, any ideas <laughs> of what you want to do? For you. What, what do I want for you? Okay. I want the comedy bureau to start like a, I want you to have a truck where you just like drive around announcing the comedy bureau stuff out of like a megaphone or something. <laughs> okay. My dad just <laughs> bought a huge truck. <laughs> really? Yeah. He has this gigantic Dodge Ram now. Or I'm sorry, Ram pickup, like it's a separate brand. Anyway. It would be so funny if you personally, Jake Kroger, brought comedy back to like the 50s, like how they would campaign for elections and stuff. I'm just picturing back to the original, like vote for mayor so-and-so. Like, right, right. You just drive around going, Jason Sudeikis was nominated for <laughs> timey bureau and bring it back to the street. Wow. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I kind of like it. Yeah. And it would fit your whole thing with your, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, that calls for Vanity Kane, if anything mm -hmm. ever. I do have several bow ties and I do know how to tie them. <laughs> I feel like a I love tie. it. Yeah. Jake. <laughs> do you want to talk comedy news at all we don't have to if you don't want to i don't know how long is the podcast i mean i'm just enjoying being here in this moment with you Lizzie. i know I, I haven't even officially introduced you i feel like i have to do that at some oh other my time God. <laughs> i'm this will be like the first episode where i actually have to like cut stuff up and move it around right mostly. right okay it's fine most of the time i just like plop it in and just put the intro and the outro and it's done okay but no, uh, do, do you want me to intro you? Sure. I mean, what do you, yeah. 
it's just a, all right so basically after if you want i mean i i do well you seem I, shy now you don't have to intro me i'm not shy well what, <laughs> it's you and me lizzie i mean you're one of the like my oldest friends in comedy i love See, that seeing you at joke lab i think i've told you this before but why not tell you again seeing you at joke lab was such a such a revelatory experience and like oh my god you could do comedy like this i didn't know you could do it like this this is great jake that's beautiful thank you you're very welcome i mean that's why you've always been special to me lizzie I love that so much. I love that. You know what's crazy? You know who was that for me was Todd Glass, who I'm seeing tomorrow night. Really? I saw him perform at Acme Comedy Company. Mm -hmm. a, like he was one of the first comedians I ever saw. Mm -hmm. And he wow. came and he went into the audience and started spraying whipped cream into people's <laughs> mouths. And I just thought, what is happening? I can't even believe this. You know, it right. had nothing like that had ever happened at Acme that I had, you know, been, been witness to right my god and i just couldn't stop thinking about how crazy it was oh a, i'm just trying to picture todd all those years ago doing that that's so funny yeah that's yeah, great he's, he's amazing yes he anyway all right well, i'm so I'm happy i get to see you so happy to get to see you too. Did you uh, want to do news piece, pieces or no? I just have homework due tomorrow. That's all. Okay. How much, how much, like, I'm happy to like sort of cut it short, but like, do okay. you have a hard out? I need to get my stuff done before 9 a.m. So I right. do have work to do, but okay. I don't want, I don't want to stifle your creativity or the episode. So if there's okay. anything else you want to get out there. Why don't, why don't we, I try to sprint through all this news. I normally okay, don't even, I joke about going through it fast and then we almost never get through it fast, but we'll okay. actually get through it okay. fast. Okay. Okay, so, and I, I won't even go into the whole stories. So Paul Feig has a, uh, new series ordered by HBO Max called Minx, and it's set in the 70s, and it's about the first erotic magazine for women, and it's right. just a comedy. Um, that'll be interesting to see. A Paul, F I can't even remember the last Paul Feig thing that didn't have Melissa McCarthy in it. Interesting. And it seems uh, like this this will be more like uh, is dramatic a term yet? I feel like I keep wanting to say that and no one says it. Is um what year is it set in? The seventies. Seventies, you said. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot to work with there. I don't yeah. think really women read erotic magazines. <laughs> That's always been perplexing to me. Right. They lead, what would they read? I, mean, I don't my, know. Maybe they would, but I don't, I don't see them. I think women are more like situational and psychological than, right, right. well, let me pluck that off the shelf. You know, my knee jerk reaction was like, yeah, they don't read erotic magazines. They read later lady Chatterley. Ah, no, maybe some women do. I don't know. Maybe yeah. some women are into it. Well, they definitely read 50 shades. Right. Yeah. So, but this is an erotic magazine, so just yeah. pictures. 
just been right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's, know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting enough for uh, a story. So that'll be coming to HBO Max. I just got a series order. Uh, the sad- I didn't speak for all women when I said we're situational. <laughs> just to clear the air. Thank you for that. Um, the Screen Actors Guild Awards were this past weekend, uh, as far as comedy is concerned. The uh, best ensemble cast in a comedy went to Schitt's Creek. Uh, the best uh, actress in a comedy went to Catherine O'Hara. And the best actor in a comedy went to Jason Sudeikis. Uh, Catherine O'Hara won for Schitt's Creek and Jason Sudeikis won, uh, won for the aforementioned Ted Lasso. That show... That show is sophisticated comedy. Mm-hmm. Each character in Ted Lasso, it's like it 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 runs the court. Like it, it it's it's not just you know these are multi-dimensional characters. A lot of it, I just watched marveling at the writing. Can I can I confess something to you? You and haven't I feel like I feel like me even choosing the word confess might tip the cap a little bit. Okay. I don't like the show, but I, I've unpacked this in therapy because so many people deeply love it and explain it like, as you have, I project my dad onto Ted and that's why I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you must have the coolest dad ever. (laughs) You're wrong. I'm just gonna say you're wrong. That that is an, that is an iconic character, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like when I watched it, I thought, "Oh, this is new. I've never seen anything like this before." No, I I under, I truly do understand why people love it. Okay, and then what do you think of Schitt's Creek? I have not, in my grand of like catching up in television and during quarantine, because in truth, I didn't have time during in pre-pandemic times. I was just busy like watching people's specials or sketches or albums and then and podcasts and then going out to shows and mics and stuff. And it, it felt like watching TV was such a huge commitment. Um, I haven't gotten around to Shit's Creek quite yet. I'm so, so sorry. Why are you even reading these stories, Jake? You don't like Ted Lasso. You haven't seen shit. What are we doing here? Are we just ticker tape? Are we the (laughs) marquee? I mean, normally an episode would progress with like, this would be sort of like the front end and we'd get to sort of like riffing throughout it and that would lead to other conversation, but this is coming at the tail end as a first. So we've gone through so much. And what was the third item of business? Um, you know, I think this is what I'd be curious about your take on this. So Fox News is going to have their own late night talk show starting tonight. As, who is hosting? Do you know who Greg Gutfeld is, Lizzie? Gutfeld? Exactly. Correct. Correct attitude. And Lizzie gets her phone to look up who Greg Gutfeld is. G-U-T-T. Okay. G-U-T-F-L-E-D. And the show is called Gutfeld with an exclamation. I have never seen someone whose picture matches their name. <laughs> yeah. Well, as Greg Gutfeld. Oh. Okay. Yes. So this and guy was. Republican? 
Oh, absolutely. He was a big part of Fox News. He would never say that he is a comedian. Like he doesn't do stand up. Greg but, Gutfeld wouldn't say that. Yeah. But yet they're 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 posing it forward because like for eons. What are they gonna do on this show? What is that even? How are they? What are they even gonna make fun of? They're gonna just dunk on liberals. Just dunk on liberals. That's all they want to do. That's their their. This is the problem. Like I I think philosophically, you you there can be comedy from all sort of like points of view. Sure. But I think there's sort of structurally or even chemically a problem when your comedy is like reactive and there was a sense of like, oh, that's what you guys said about us. Well, we're going to say this about you. Like, right. And that's where I feel like so much conservative quote unquote humor is coming from. Mm. It's just this place of retaliation. Right. Yeah. And like, so there's a billboard across the street from Jimmy Come Alive for Gutfeld. That's the name of the show. It is. Uh, yeah, and get the. Uh, I just want to. Gutfeld. Gutfeld. It should be Gutfeld. Gutfeld. Yeah. yeah, I like that better. Um, the tagline is "Cancel culture just got canceled." Why is that a tagline for a late night show? Exactly. That Why doesn't mean that's not. Mm-hmm. Okay, even if they think that's clever, which it's not, no, that has nothing to do with a show. Uh, absolutely. Like what? It, that's just bad writing and marketing. Yeah, and that's why I think, like, to my point about it being reactive, it's all reactive. Yeah. You know, and they they, they in their sort of I read an article about um, leading up to the premiere night, like we. Oh, we will. Uh, somebody who works on the show commented like we we're wanting to have this be a place where conservative guests aren't seen as targets. So I mean, that's where they're coming from. They feel so sort of threatened, and you know, I mean, this is like you know the war on Christmas people. I can't. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious to see it though. I'll watch clips online tomorrow. I won't watch it live. I have um, better things to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, Jake, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Is there anything you, you would like to plug? What Where can people Follow find me on online? Instagram, at Lizzie Cooperman. Um, I don't really have anything. Would you like to plug your beautiful, beautiful album? Sure, Organism. You can get it everywhere. I was privileged enough to be in the audience and yeah. um, enjoy the taping. It was it was truly, truly great. Thank you for coming. I still appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Lizzie. Um, so much. You, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Jake Carter. I run the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau on socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and not the supermarket at, on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There are a lot of great causes to support at this time. So I ask you if you, so you could support those, that'd be great. If you have money and generosity after that, please support me. All the links for that will be in the show notes, but, uh, until next time, is there something you like to say as we sign off, Lizzie? Pause. What a pleasure. <laughs> yes. There you go. 
Uh, as the great produce, oh, I would like to say, as I do at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.